today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I love London, England, but the bleakness is in the numbers right now. Uh, And that's not just the case counts, but the deaths as well. Um, It is incredibly problematic. Um, Report today is 1,041 COVID deaths, the highest daily death toll since April, and the highest number of cases in the UK, 62,000 for a nation of 66 million. Um, So they're at much, much a more frightening uh, and harrowing ratio than where we're at right now. I want to bring on Harriet Hadfield. Uh, She's journalist and broadcaster for Sky News, and she's kind enough to uh, make some time with us across the Atlantic here in Canada. Harriet, it's great to have you on. Thanks very much for making the time. Hi, Greg. Thanks for inviting me. 100%. Hundred uh, percent. Happy to have you. It's uh, again. I lay it out, and the numbers. I, I suppose you get numb to it over certain periods of time. But those are those are not just numbers. Those are people. Uh, hospitals are overflowing, and uh, Boris Johnson did a, a, a you know an unbelievable about face for as much criticism as he's gotten. He's getting praise for at least acknowledging the impossible, and that was keeping schools open on Monday, and they were locked on Tuesday. Yeah, there's been a lot of change over here in the UK just in the past few days. You say we get numb to the numbers, and and I know what you mean, but actually the problem we've got here is this new strain of the virus, which um, appears just after Christmas. And I think that's what's taken everyone by surprise. I mean, I live in an area in the southeast where we were in the lowest alert setting, and then within a week we went into the highest alert So people have been going from really living quite freely in parts of the country uh, to moving into this lockdown situation, which started two days ago. Uh, Just to give you an idea of the the numbers uh, in a more sort of personal way, one in 50 people in in England now have been infected with the virus in the past week. Where I live in the southeast, that's one in 45. Uh, So there, by the grace of God, I think go we all at the moment here. Well, I can tell you, I know uh, a certain amount of, uh, of of Brits, and I know seven people in the UK. A couple younger, obviously, that have that have recovered from it. But to put it to put your n- numbers and your ratio together, Harriet, I don't know three hundred fifty people, but I know seven people who've acquired it. Um, and uh, and I don't assume through their anecdotes through reckless behavior. So you're right; it is it is a lot more, more omnipresent than I think we can make the case it is here in Canada and right now many other European countries. Do you have this new strain? Has it been identified in Canada? Because this is what's really set us on the back foot now. Yeah, we we have in a couple uh, places. I know in San Diego, California, uh, my God, beautiful city, but they had an utter explosion of the new strain. I think they had 32 recognized as the new strain, 32 cases recognized as the new strain at once. So um, the exponential growth is uh, astounding and not in a good way. Has that made... Has that made the criticism of Boris Johnson? Has that made the criticism of lockdowns, um, you know, less vocal, less militant uh, about it? And if anything, it's uh, if it, it, people don't want to step outside the house and live the lives they were living in August, September or October because of this new strain. Yeah, I think there's 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 two questions there. One has the criticism of Boris Johnson and his cabinet died down. The answer is no. Um, People are still incredibly critical, even bearing in mind uh, the new strain taking everyone by surprise. There were calls before that from from all sorts of people that there should be a lockdown being uh, imposed. Um, But, you know, the second point you make, has this made people um, less anti-lockdown? Then, yes, I believe it has. I was just listening to an interview on one of our radio stations here with 
a Conservative MP who is normally very anti-lockdown, and he has just voted in Parliament uh, for the new lockdown measures that last until potentially the end of March. And he said, um, quote, I didn't, you know, none of us could have foreseen this new mutant strain of the virus. He said, I don't know if I voted for the right thing. And history will, will judge me on that. But it certainly made people who were anti-lockdown, I think, start to think maybe we do have to do this. We do have to protect people. Harriet Hadfield's our guest uh, from uh, Sky News, joining us on uh, Global News Radio, uh, 900 CHML and 980 CFPL in London. The one thing I think people are thinking here in Canada is, um, you know, and, and with the new strain, it doesn't appear to be more deadly so far, but it is more contagious. So it is e- more easily acquirable and transferable. Harriet, the big fear people have is, well, if I get it now on January 6th, I don't have the confidence that the healthcare system can treat me as thoroughly and properly as if I got it on August 6th of last year. And given your overflowing hospitals and giving ours, that's probably a pretty accurate statement, would you say? Yeah, I think overflowing hospitals might be overdoing it slightly. We we are being warned by the NHS, our National Health Service here, that they are reaching critical uh, levels. There's been a couple of examples of hospitals in London with uh, people being treated in ambulances. But at the moment, at the moment, the hospitals do seem to be standing up. But I've got to be honest with you, every winter I have yeah. uh, covered stories about the flu season and hospitals being overwhelmed. So this is something we struggle with in this country anyway. And then you add on a pandemic like this, the coronavirus, and um, how it can really land quite a lot of people up needing hospital treatment. That is what's concerning. So you're absolutely right. And I was speaking to a friend earlier who said, you know, the coronavirus is, is, is okay if people can get to hospital and get the treatment they need. But as you say, if there aren't enough beds, if there aren't enough doctors, that is something that starts to really alarm people here. Absolutely. And and on your side of the Atlantic and on ours, uh, we should have been listening to these doctors four or five years ago. They all said, well, we don't have enough space. We've all seen health care cuts uh, by federal and, and regional governments, if you will. And, uh, you know, we're listening now, but but that the, the lack of listening the last half decade or so, um, maybe 20 years back, even in our country, has put us in this position. I want to ask you about vaccines before you go. Uh, I know uh, Nadim Zawahi, the vaccine minister, has talked about getting to the target. They want 13.9 million jabs, as I mentioned, 66 million people in the UK. Um, it's an ambitious project. The one thing I think you've done well in the UK, I want to know if UK residents feel the same way, is clarifying and classifying who goes when. There is a pecking order of nine different categories. Um, you and I, because of our youthful exuberance and great health, would not be in those <laughs> nine categories, but that's okay. But people generally know where they're going in line, and I'm not sure that's the case in the States. I'm sure that's not the case here in Canada. Is that something we can compliment the government on, is aligning those categories properly? Yes, I think you're right. There has been some some pretty good messaging about who is first in line, and certainly in my community here, and the people that I speak to, they know that they will be getting the call up or that they won't. We know it's residents in care homes going first and then the over 70s and then healthcare and social workers. There's been a little bit of to and fro about teachers because, as you know, we're having a problem now with not being able yeah. to keep um, schools open. The, the, the problem is, is the rollout hasn't uh, as yet hasn't been the same across um, different parts of the country. So I live on the Isle of Wight in the southeast and my parents are in their 70s. They haven't heard anything, whereas we know their friends in other parts of the country have already had their vaccination. So, you know, that does cause um, people to be concerned. But as you know, we had 
the first vaccination that was rolled out that needed a special freezing and that was difficult to administer. But now we have the Oxford vaccine that is giving people uh, more hope. So we've, again, we've got these two things where everyone's hopeful about the vaccine and we're looking at the numbers and they need to vaccinate 2 million people a week. So they think this is great and this creating this invisible shield, as uh, Boris Johnson called it today in Parliament. The problem is, is that no one really believes or a lot of people don't really believe that the government is going to be able to get the organisation that they need to roll it out as quickly as possible. So we can't judge yet. And I think there's there's that sort of double thing where people are hopeful, but they're also starting to criticise as well that it's not happening quickly enough. It's not being well organised enough. Harriet, relate this to our audience before you go. Are your parents in their 70s? Are they confident when you have conversations with them that it's a matter of it's a matter of mere weeks as opposed to looking at like my parents are in their mid 70s i don't think they have uh, a hope uh that they'll get it before say april or maybe may uh, are your parents hopeful that it's earlier than that oh yes absolutely i mean they really should be getting it within within the next few weeks i mean that's certainly the message that we're getting and you know you don't necessarily get told when you're having it until right before so i don't think they're concerned and actually my parents are you know, they're quite relaxed. They, they'd very much be of the kind of people who think that there are other people more, more in need of it than them just because they're in their, in their 70s. So they're OK. The only thing I would say is that, you know, they've been mixing uh, with me and my son pretty freely. They live just around the corner from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yesterday, mm-hmm. my mother said to me quite tearfully, you know, I don't think we can hang out with you guys. I just think it's, it's too dangerous. And, and that's something that now, you know, for the next few weeks or, or, or months, is quite difficult. My parents live just around the corner, their two-year-old grandson, and they, they can't come and yeah. see us. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those scenarios uh, where, uh, again, we, we hope it's for a, a, you know, a certain amount of time, a linear amount of time, but it's, uh, it's all gone longer than we all, all would have hoped. I hope you stay safe with the numbers, you and your son and your parents as well. Thank you very much for making the time for me and my audience today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. I hope you guys get some relief from a vaccination soon as well. We hope so. Uh, Harriet Hadfield uh, from Sky News uh, across the Atlantic. I'll bring this up uh, in the UK right now. Twenty five percent, according to the vaccine minister of over 80s, have already been vaccinated. Again, I, I know uh, a good friend of mine, his 81 year old dad has had his vaccination. His 79 year old wife has not like they're being they're pretty, being pretty adamant about who gets it and who doesn't. But he's got a he's got a vaccination card. Um, so that's 25% of people over 80. And if you're wondering, we have 1.3 million people in our country that are 80 or older. Some of those people will be getting it in long-term care centers. But if you were to take, if I do the math really quick, that's about 325,000 Canadians over 80. If, if we were to vaccinate 20, 25% of our 80 and over population, that means we vaccinated 325,000 Canadians and we have not <laughs> like that's that's putting it bluntly. Why? Because we we're vaccinating healthcare workers and I'm not saying we shouldn't. And we're vaccinating long term care employees. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. This Aaron O'Toole controversy about vaccinating um, prisoners in high traffic circumstances at our penitentiaries. I understand why it's controversial. I wouldn't have used the tone that Aaron O'Toole did, but I understand the controversial nature of that particular decision. But that's where we have to get to. Uh, they want to do 300,000 vaccinations a day in the UK. If you do the math, okay, there's 66 million people in the UK. Let's say we did 100,000 vaccinations a day here in Canada. Okay, is, is, that, is that a good number? 3 million vaccinations a month in our country. 
then we're getting to everybody, and we're not counting that second shot. Um, then we're getting to everybody potentially by October, November. And the goalposts have moved several times. Like, it, it, it certainly seemed when the vaccinations before they were going to be approved by Health Canada were th- there's some dire predictions that we will be waiting until September, October, maybe even the end of this particular calendar year. Like, it feels so great to say we're in 2021, and it doesn't feel great to say, well, what if I'm not vaccinated until November 1st of this year? What if? The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.